So far, on the last few weeks, what we've been looking at in Ephesians is this new community. And the new community is um, chapters 1, 2, and 3. What we see is that God himself has given us every spiritual blessing. Us, meaning anybody who is in Christ, has been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And of these heavenly places, what we see is that God in the biz- is in the business of reconciling. That he's reconciling heaven and earth through Jesus. That he's reconciling um, all of us who are, in, who are sinners, separated by God, that we're now in Christ, reconciled through Jesus. And then there's Jew and Gentile. There's these two distinct ethnic groups that could not get along that now are reconciled in Christ. And then the way Paul writes it in Ephesians chapter 2 is he talks about it as this one new man, which literally means new society, like this new of a kind thing in which people of all eclectic, different, diverse groups can be one in Christ. And so there's oneness but not sameness. As you know, that's wildly difficult. And so Paul talks about how God gives gifts to the church to be able to live out their role in uh, culture as this new community. And then we looked at these phrases that Paul gave us. There's this put off and put on, meaning the way that the community of Christ looks like is there's some things that we need to put off. Those things were like put off, um, lying and not presenting your true self and put on telling the truth. Put off stealing and put on giving. Put off um, language that tears people down and put on language that builds people up. And then today we begin to look at uh, even more so how the people of God are to look and main, mainly how we're to imitate God or how we're supposed to mimic God. And we get this because um, most of us know that children naturally mimic and imitate their parents. Like we know this with little kids because that's really easy to see, but even as adults, right? So when we do premarital, like most of our pastors, when we do premarriage, that's, that's when we meet with you before you get married. Um, <laughs> and the first week, we usually talk about family backgrounds. Tell us how you were raised. What were your parents like? The reason why we do that is, one, so that we can hear, and then also so that you know that that's exactly what you're going to be like. <laughs> um, no matter how hard you fight it, you can fight it all you want. Uh, at some point, you just got to concede and go, yeah, this is me, right? And those of you who are not laughing, you, you still believe that you're going to be different. And God bless you. Like, God bless you, right? Um, but you, you, you have that moment sometimes where you realize, like, oh, man, it's in me. Like, I am like my mother. I am like my father. And for me, it's little phrases that will come out as I'm talking to my boys that I didn't plan on saying. It just came out of me, right? So, the, you know, now it's, you know, summertime, and it's super hot, and the boys will go outside and leave the door open. And I won't just say, hey, would you guys close the door, right? Because that's not how my parents said to me. Boy, close the door, Right? And then I just feel myself going, oh, shoot, the next phrase would be, you're trying to air condition all of Arizona, right? I could just hear, like, <laughs> I, could, I could just hear, hear that, like, in my, in my language, right? There's just certain things that, that you begin to do or phrases that you even say or beliefs that you have because more things are caught than taught. So when we had our first child, um, we were leaving the hospital, and my mom said to me, hey, you better cover that boy, meaning my son, you better cover that boy up. He's going to go outside, and he's going to catch a cold. Right? And so I said, Holly, did you hear my mom? We got to cover him up. He's going to go outside. He's going to catch a cold. And Holly waits till my mom leaves the room because she didn't want to say anything about my mom when my mom in the room, right? Because, right? Because there's already like a relationship that doesn't always start off the best between a mother in law and a daughter in law, especially when you've got a black mother in law and a white daughter in law. You're already skating on thin ice. So you got to be very careful with the words that you use, right? So she says to me, Hey, do you realize that you don't catch a cold by being cold? And I'm like, you don't, right? 
She goes, no, are you kidding me? Do you really believe that? I'm like, that's what I've been taught my entire life. Wrap that boy up so he doesn't catch a cold. She goes, no. And so I'm actually on Google. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, right? I've graduated from college at the time. I was pursuing my master's. And I'm sitting there going, I'm a grown man. And I'm thinking people catch colds. I still have yet to tell my mom, like, hey, you know you're wrong. Because you know why? You never tell your mom she's wrong. So there's, there, there's a sense that more things are caught than taught, right? And so what Paul begins to talk about in these verses is we're supposed to mimic or imitate God. That the community in which we live in, not just individually, but as a community, we are reflecting the beauty, the love, the justice, the sacrificial love that we have in God. And that's what the community ought to look like. The problem is we take more cues from the culture than we do from our Savior. And so we're mimicking something else, not our Father, right? So we had a, a, we had a, a girl who's part of this church, a lady, a woman, that was living with us before she got married. And um, her... She shared the bathroom with our boys. God bless her, right? And Eli, our youngest son comes out, and it's like, wait, why are there always stories about him? Because he's wild, right? And so he comes out, and there's blood all over his face. Like, blood is, like, all over his, his cheek and so forth. And normally, a good parent goes, like, babies, like, duh, how do you talk to your kids? Little man, what happened to you? What happened to you? You're okay? But I didn't do that. Here's why. He didn't come out crying. He came out like, I hope nobody sees this. He's got like a little piece of tissue and there's blood everywhere. And I said, Eli, what, what happened? And he was, ah, ah. and I said, no, before you start, don't lie. I know that's always your first flinch. Tell daddy the truth right now, right? Don't lie. And he goes, um, I was trying to shave. Oh, yeah, right. So, so, so. And here's why. Well, the razor's there because it was, it was, it was our roommate's uh, um, razor that was there. And you would say, aw, because you're like, oh, he watches his dad. I haven't been able to grow facial hair in the 36 years that I've been alive. I shave once a year just not to have the little, little you know, this, right? And so, so, so he's not mimicking me when he shaves. If anything, I don't know. He's not mimicking his father. He's mimicking some other father, right? There's a problem. All right. Think about that picture. When we don't live in the ways of Christ, when we don't live in the ways of God, we are mimicking something other than our Father. It does not fit, right? Like it's, it's out of place. There was no way that he needed to grab this razor and to shave his six-year-old face, right? In the same way that I don't need to grab a razor to shave my 36-year-old face, right? So some, some things just don't fit. And so we have this picture of the beauty of Christ and the beauty of God, his love, his grace, his generosity that we are to reflect. But Paul here says, but there's some things that are out of place that's in our community that we need to get rid of. Verse 31, here's here's how he says it. He he says it in chapter 4, verse 31 in Ephesians, not in um, Philippians. There we go. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Here's what he's saying. There's, there's some things that actually don't fit. Now, when you look at this list, and let's deal with it real quick, it, it seems like it builds. Like there's bitterness, and bitterness has that idea of um, hostility towards somebody else. It may not be something that's external, but you're, you're bitter towards somebody. And then you have rage, and rage is a little bit of passion, um, anger, and then you have like 
anger where you just do not like that person and, and then it goes to clamor and clamor is when like you're yelling and screaming and even cussing at people or cursing at people. It's worse when you cuss at people, but cursing at people as well. And then there's, and then there's slander, which is talking behind people's back. And then he just kind of wraps it together and goes, in all malice. Now, some people believe what Paul is saying is it, it starts here, then here, then here, then here, and here. I think Paul's just going, I'm going to just lay every word that shows of all badness and put it here because you don't need to progress there. Some of us, we start at yelling, right? Like I hear people talk about when they talk about college and they go, oh, which, which, what classes are you taking? And they're like, oh, I'm taking this class. You know, I'm like, oh, you don't have to take this class? No, I, um, I took an AP class in high school and I tested out of that. I'm like, what is an AP class, right? Like you tested out of certain levels. I tested out of the first levels. I go straight to yelling, right? And so there's no progression there. Some people yell and scream, right? And there's not a person in this room who has not been so upset with somebody that you haven't yelled or screamed. Amen? Don't lie. Don't lie, right? Let's be real. The problem with us with our non-Christian friends is we're not honest about the stuff that's real, right? Some of you guys are like, listen, on the way, be honest with you, Pastor, on the way over here, man, we was talking about some stuff that I lost it on the way over here. I'm glad you pointed me out. Just the spirit. And so you, you have this yelling. And then some people, honestly, they, they don't get there. Like, it's just not in their, their, their Myers-Briggs. Like, they just, don't, they just don't get up there. They may just stay in bitterness. There just might be a sense of going, I don't like you. You don't know it, but I don't like you, right? There's some things that you did that bothered me some time ago. And um, if you wonder why there's a little bit of block here, it's because I don't like you, but I'm not going to tell you. It's okay, right? Paul, Paul, Paul is listing these things and going, it's all over. And these things don't belong in the community. Now, he's not saying if these things were to show up, they're going to show up. When they do, that we have to remove it, meaning it is in us. Like, that is the nature of the beast that's in community, in people, is that these sort of emotions and thoughts and actions, they happen. They happen in the community around us. And so we have to be honest about them. And what Paul is saying is, like, don't let these things be Remove them, meaning when you see them coming from afar, you got to be able to remove them. And you know what? They're exposed the most in relationship and community. Like this is not like go have some self-reflection and see if these things are in you. No, go be with your friends. (laughs) Go be with your spouse. Be with the person you're engaged to. They won't tell you the truth until after you get married, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, Is is have, have them express this to you. So, Holly and I grew up in, like, wildly different families. And so when we first got married, um, we were talking. I thought we were talking. She goes, why are you yelling at me? And I'm like, I'm not, ye- I'm not even yelling at you. This is, a- this is not even yelling. All right. I grew up in a family where the loudest person wins. Some of you guys, some of you guys are like, that's my family too, right? And that's not a race thing. That is just a family thing. Like, the loudest person wins. So I'm talking to Holly. Yelling meant, like, something different. And she's like, you're yelling at me. There comes a point where in your relationship, you get exposed to the point that you go, you know what? Maybe I am yelling at you. But I don't know how to talk to you and get my point across without, you know, there's that sense, right? <laughs> so, so you get exposed in community, and it's not a bad thing. So in our house, we have, um, like, if you walk into, as soon as you walk into our house, there's a chair right here facing this way, and then there's two chairs facing that one chair. And so two chairs right here, one chair right here. Um, and the reason why we have it that way is because we have three chairs, right? And so, so, so 
people walk in, they go, oh, is this set up like for a counseling thing? I'm like, no, but now that you think of it, and the, the, we have the, the chair that you sit here, it's one chair, it's a little bit bigger than these two chairs, and there's a mirror behind it. So when I do have people over or whatnot, I'll sit in this chair, total power play, and then, and then people that would sit in this chair, and this, there's a mirror behind us. And what I love to do is to watch people look at themselves in the mirror, right? They'll be looking at you, then they're like, right? And my kids do it, adults do it, everybody does it. And the best part is, is people don't care or don't mind about looking at themselves in the mirror. They never even think about it. But when they see you noticing them looking at themselves in the mirror, they get embarrassed, right? There's that sense of going, I have no problem looking at myself in the mirror to see if I like what I see, if I don't like what I see, I want to adjust. But as soon as I notice you noticing me checking my own self out, it's a problem. That's how it is in community. Sometimes we like to acknowledge the things that we're weak in. But the reality of it is, it's far better when there's a mirror around us and the mirrors are our brothers and sisters in Christ that we do life with. And sometimes it's not even their words that have to tell you certain things. Sometimes it's their actions. That you're, if you say, if this is what it looks like to live in community, then what I'm doing is not actually contributing. It's an issue. And Paul says, these sort of things communicate not inclusiveness, these words do not include, uh, communicate, bring me in. This is the words that say, I want you to be actually on the fringe and on the outside. Therefore, they have to be removed from the community of Christ. Amen? But he's got a, 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 the word that wraps it all together in 31 here is when he says, at the very end, he says, to put these things away from you. And he says, along with all malice. <laughs> and that word malice just means bad, like any bad intentions, e any evil, anything that's wrong, like anything you have against somebody else, because we all have people in our life for whatever reason, we would rather for them not to be around. And you know people like it, if you see them in the, in the lunchroom, if you see them at work, and you just go, oh, he's here, right? You say, any bad intentions that you have, like it's bad, and we have it. And, it, and, and he says, well, all malice, it's got to be removed. So if there's any bad things, if there's any bad things that they wish in, that they wish in, that they wish in on me, right? He says, it's got to go. Even if someone says, tell me if you love me, and you say only partly, I only love my bed and my mom, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, right? He says that. He says that. And so how do we go from one to the next? Or in essence, how do we turn an O2 into an O3? So here's what we have. Somebody's like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not following along. It's okay. It's not even a part of the text. He has this sense of bitterness. We got to get rid of this. So what does it actually look like? Like, what does the Christ community look like? Verse 30. He's, verse 30, he goes on here in chapter 4. Verse 32, excuse me. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. Like, that is way easier to read and to say than to do. Like, it, it, it just is. When, we, when he says, be kind, literally just be good to people. And not just be a nice person. He doesn't say be nice. Nice is one of those words for whatever reason. I, I, it's a good word. But for whatever reason, I don't like it. I like it, but I don't like it. Because nice means you sometimes don't care. You kind of like can communicate sometimes passive. Like you're just really polite and you make sure everything's okay. Sometimes being honest doesn't seem like you're being nice. Kind is different. Nice is something if someone says, oh, I like Ricardo. He's a nice guy. It's like, I don't know. He's kind. I'll take that. Right? There's, there, he says, be kind, meaning intentionally be good to the people around you. 
Like, go out of your way to say, I'm going to be good to this person. Not because they've done something good to me, because God has done something good to me and for me. So he says, be kind or be good. And it says, be tenderhearted, right? Now, tenderhearted, not a word that we go around using. Like, how is he? This guy you met, how is he? Man, he's really tenderhearted. <laughs> Y'all was thinking a different tender, but we're not even going to go there right now, okay? So there's, there's tenderhearted. It means compassion. It means sympathy. And sympathy is one of those words, if you're like me, you just, like sympathy and empathy, you, you never really know which one is which, right? Both are really good. So empathy is putting myself in your shoes, right? That's not what Paul's talking about here. It's really good, super, super biblical, but that's not what he's talking about. Sympathy here. Sympathy is, is a sense of I, I feel you. And so literally the language here is to have intentional good feelings towards the person that you're with, that the people that you're with. That have sympathy, meaning I see your situation, whether it's material, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, and I want to act on behalf of it because I have a feeling towards that. Like, I, like in, in essence, like I feel you, right? And so you have this sense of him saying, have intentional feelings. You go, how do you do that? My feelings, they come and they go. It's saying you have to work on this of having feelings towards somebody else. This makes us get really uncomfortable for whatever reason, especially dudes. Man, I don't want to have feelings, man. I want to, I want to just have emotions and feelings. Put that to the side. Let's just be objective. Okay, when you do that, you're being less human. I hope y'all heard that. Don't mind if I do. So there's, there's, like you're, and, and here's, what I, here, here's what I mean by that. We are created in the image of God. And we just learned last week in verse 30 that we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of God, the third person of God, that God is a person and that he has feelings. And so we're creating the image of God who has feelings. Thus, we have feelings. And so what he's saying when it comes to this community, you're not just being good, but you're having compassion. You're having sympathy. Like you're looking at somebody else's situation in such a way that it moves you, that you're moved to care for them. And that's something that you can work on to have feelings for somebody. One of, one of the best movies that happened to us recently was that Disney or Pixar movie, Inside Out. Like, that was the best movie. Like, we adults were like, let's just take a kid to see the movie. We walked out going, that was a good movie for the kids. <laughs> right? Because it was like, wait a minute, what is this? Right? The movie, the movie had us in our feelings. Right? And that's the way we're supposed to move towards one another. We're supposed to say, Kiki, do you love? Are you right? Right? because I want you and I need you. Here it is, and I'm down for you. The community of Christ are a collective of people. Some of you guys are like, I still don't. It's okay. I'm about to bring it. Look, it's coming home right now. The community of Christ is an eclectic, diverse group of people who are down for one another. Another phrase for that is day one, right? And all that means is I've been loyal from the beginning to the end. That not ultimately because of what you can bring, but ultimately what I can do in the name of Christ on your behalf. That, that the, this loyalty that we have is just because you said something that has offended me does not ruin or end the relationship. Just because I have a different preference in how I raise or don't raise my kids doesn't mean the relationship is over. Just because I said something that was ill will and it was out of place and I had to confess and repent of it doesn't mean the relationship is over. That means I am with you and I'm doing intentional things to be able to express my feelings in ways that shows itself in actions towards care and love for you. And then he says, 
Here's the picture, though, how we do it. We have to forgive one another as God in Christ forgave us. As God in Christ forgave us. And so we think about this. Little kids love to mimic their parents, right? They do. When I was a little boy, my dad wore Dickies. I wanted to wear Dickies. So my mom got me some, some little six-year-old Dickies. My dad wore Chuck Taylors. I wanted to wear Chuck Taylors, right? Everything my dad did, I want. My dad used to go fishing. And when I say my dad fished, like my dad fished. Like he has a tattoo that says gone fishing, right? Like he was serious about it. So I got myself like a little junior. I got myself. I didn't get anything. Somebody got me a little junior uh, fishing pole, right? And right when I was, until I was about the age of maybe my youngest son or so, uh, me and my dad, it was like wherever he was doing, I wanted to do it. And then stuff happened, right? Like he had his issues and, and, and I had my issues. I mean, but I had nine-year-old issues. He had like grown man issues. And when grown man issues affect nine-year-old issues, all of a sudden that nine-year-old becomes a grown man and has grown man daddy issues. But that's a whole nother conversation, right? So, so me and my dad, just we just never really saw eye to eye. So, so um, two things that really hit me. One, uh, I'll just share one. One thing that really hit me, uh, so I'm doing this, this like, when I became a Christian, I'm doing this, um, this, this camp. And it's for kids that are, that are in the hood and inner city and whatnot. We take them up. I don't know why they always want to do this, but you want to take kids from the inner city to the mountains so they can really fill out a place. And, um, and, uh, and they, we were up there, and um, um, this kid that I really connected with, he was like, hey, man. And he started telling me a story about his relationship with his dad, and it was, it was eerily similar to my, me and my pops. And he was like, I just want to know, like, can I ever forgive this man, right? Now, fast forward three months before that, I had been walking with the Lord for, I don't know, maybe a year. And the Lord revealed to me that there was somebody in my life who I haven't forgiven. And honestly, I was searching because I'm like, I'll forgive anybody. Like, you know, if there's somebody you want to sin against, it's probably me. I'll probably forgive you. I don't like you, but I mean, I'll probably forgive you. There's a, there's a sense. Well, then it was like, it's my pops. And I'm thinking, there's no way. Like, there's no way. There's too much work. There's too much damage. There's no way. And um, the Lord just really kept pressing it upon me. Like, how has God forgiven you? Like, forgiveness is painful, right? If you're really forgiven. And so I called my dad up, and, you know, we hadn't talked in years. And, I mean, it was just like, and I... I'd love to tell you, like, man, it was like I called him. He was like, man, man, it's good to hear from you. I've been, you know, I've been thinking about you. I've been praying for you. I'm a Christian now. Like all of the things that you might want to hear, it wasn't like that. It was, it was, it was real, like one-sided. You know, I did my deal, and he was like, that's cool. When you coming back to LA? I was like, oh, I don't know. When I'm there, I'll hit you up again. <laughs> so it was just real awkward. And I know some of you, know, that's really sad, and it, it is sad. But sadly, it just doesn't affect me like the way that it should, right? And don't feel bad for me. I'm good. Uh, and, but it was huge to be able to be like, you know what, I need to forgive him. And the reality of it is, I needed him to forgive me of some things too. Because I wasn't fully innocent as I became an adult the way that I treated, the way that I treated him and so forth. And what Paul is talking about here, guys, it ain't easy. 
When it says forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you, if he just said forgive one another, we would have done what we do with normal forgiveness. That's not biblical forgiveness. The way we do forgiveness is, hey, man, I, I said this thing about you. I'm sorry. I should have never said it. Hey, man, it's cool. It's all good. No problem. It's not cool. It's not all good. Like we teach our young boys that when you, when you um, go to each other, don't, don't just say it's okay because excusing is not the same thing as forgiving, Right? You can't say, no, it's okay. You know why? Sin is never okay. It's never okay. Like, God didn't look at us and think, you know, I'm going to go forgive. No, I'm not going to forgive them. Let's just think, hey, hey, um, God, we're sorry. We screwed up everything here, ruined your creation and everything. We good? Ah, man, it's cool, right? Never, right? Forgiveness is, is not excusing. And forgiveness, our boys have to say to each other, I forgive you. Because there is something wildly vulnerable about receiving forgiveness and even telling somebody that I forgive you. And, and we know that this is not easy. It is painful. Because you're saying, I'm willing to absorb the pain and not treat you as your sins deserve. Like we, look, the, the reason why the first section is there of bitterness and anger and rage is because we want people to be treated the way that they treated us. Like we want people to feel the way they feel it up. I had so much hatred in my heart towards my pop, right? And, and, and I can say, well, I was justified because of this, that, and the other. Maybe. But what about the fact that God did not relate to me on the basis of my works or what I did? Or none of us would ever be saved. If God says, listen, until you get things right, I ain't coming, right? No, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he didn't die for us as friends. He died for us as enemies and made us friends. Like this community that Paul is talking about here, it's a community of cruciformity. It's a conformity to Christ, which one lays his life down for the other. This is not something you just read about in pop psychology. There's no self-help books about this. It's only revealed in the work and the person of Jesus. And then those who receive that sort of grace, Paul's saying, that's how you forgive one another. And we know that this sort of forgiveness is extremely painful because the most forgiving person in the world, he died on the cross for it. Right? In order that we may live into that sort of life. That sort of community is not, hear me, there are some people in your life that you can forgive and you should never be around them. Like, it's just not safe, it's not good. It's not, I, 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 like, I totally understand. And I'm a, just full transparency. Me and my dad, we don't have a great relationship. I had so many people at the last service go, man, I'm about to call my dad, I'm about to call my dad, it's about to be great. I'm like, uh, may not be, right? <laughs> um, we, 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 we're like in spurts. Like, sometimes we're good, sometimes we're not. This past Father's Day was the first time that I had spent time with my dad for Father's Day in over 20 years. Let me tell you, it was horrible. It was horrible. It just kind of got all crazy, and I was like, all right, we'll see you. <laughs> two more years, right? And that's the way it is. I love him. I, I can actually say, in all honesty, I love him. And I'm sadly, I'm just like him. It is scary. I quit. I don't even try not to be like him anymore. It's impossible. I look like him. I used to say, when people say, you look like your dad. No, I don't. Now I'm like, he's kind of a good looking dude, actually, when you think about it. <laughs> we, 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 we have these relationships, I get that they're not always going to be perfect, and forgiving is not forgetting, but it is saying, I'm not going to treat you the way your sins deserve. Imagine a community of people that actually are saved by grace and also live and do relationship by grace. That, that's the sort of community that we see that is built and rooted on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, Paul wraps up this section. 
chapter 5, verse 1. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He says, therefore, be imitators of God. And what he's saying is everything that I've been saying in terms of what to put on is what it looks like to imitate God. To boil it down, it is to forgive and to display sacrificial, selfless love for the other. It, it is saying, on one hand, one side says, like with bitterness and anger and rage, I'm done with you. But in the gospel, it says, no, even though you've sinned against me, I want to be one with you. Like these are different ways of doing community, that we begin to mimic our Father. And the way Jesus says is, if you want to know the Father, you actually have to look to the Son. If we want to know how to mimic God, we have to look to Jesus. And even Paul writes here, as Christ walked in love. And then he gives this language, that he gave himself up as a fragrant offering. Now, the illusion here is that of the temple. And you have all these references of, of what it looks like to have sacrifices within the temple in the book of Leviticus. And I know some of you guys are like, Levit? I was just reading Leviticus earlier. It's funny how the spirit works, right? So in Leviticus, there, there's all of these like, grain offerings and different offerings that are acceptable to the Lord. And what he's saying is we become acceptable to the Lord, not by our behavior or conforming to these particular standards, standards but we become acceptable because of the offering that Christ has done on our behalf, that we become acceptable because of Christ and in and through Christ. Now we reflect and we imitate this sort of life as a community, okay? And so here's what this looks like. What I'm about to say, you do not need to get a pen out. You do not need to get a pencil. You don't need to talk to Sari. You don't need to do any of that, okay? It's not going to be unlike anything that you've ever heard, okay? The way that we actually grow into the likeness of Christ Starts first by reading our Bible. I know you guys are like, dang, I went to church today. Pastor brought it. I was, he was like, read your Bibles. And I was like, <laughs> ain't that the truth, right? And, and, here, and, and here, here's what I mean. When Paul uses this language of sacrifice, um, one, he does it in in. And I'm not in Revelation because he didn't write that book. He did it in Romans, and he does it in Ephesians, right? So in Romans, he says, right after, therefore, right after all that God has done, he says this, um, by the mercies of God, I appeal to you. He goes, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Do not be conformed to the way that the culture works, the way that he says it in Ephesians. He says, do not live like the Gentiles do. He's not talking ethnically. He's talking about the culture, the worldview, and the standard. In Romans, he says, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And Ephesians, he says, do not give yourself over to the lifestyle of the Gentiles, but he says, created after the likeness of God, renew your mind. In both spaces, he's saying, renew your mind. And the way that you renew your mind is constantly putting yourself um, before the Lord and how he reveals himself. And he reveals himself most confidently and most clearly and most supremely through his word. It's, it's, it's the Bible in which we have. The multiple apps and multiple Bibles in which we have that we don't really read. The multiple translations, just find one that works, right? So, so I was listening to some guys talk, and I agree with them. And they said this, in terms of living in Christian community and being the people of God, there's a couple things that we can do that will put us far ahead of the curve. Very simple things. He says is Christians would wake up in the morning, and before they grab their phone, before they check their email, 
before they checked any stats, before they checked any text messages, before they did any of that, and that they would open up their Bibles and read for 10, 15, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, who knows, maybe even an hour, and pray. And then eat a meal, maybe once or twice a week, with some other committed followers of Christ. And if they did that routinely, they might actually be way ahead of the curve of everybody else. Just a simple practice of saying, God, we want to imitate you, and the best way to imitate you is to actually be around you. More things are caught than taught. And if we're not constantly putting ourselves before the face of God through his word and community, there's no way we're going to imitate him. We're going to be like my son, picking up a razor and cutting ourselves because we're not imitating our father. We're imitating something that's far different. Christianity is always looked upon as hypocrites. And don't get me wrong, we have some hypocritical tendencies, but more than anything, sometimes we act as people who are not really a part of the family of God when God has gone out of his way to include us that we may be his children. He set his seal upon us that we may be his children. And the best way that we experience that life and love is to know who he is, to mimic who he is, not individually, but in the context of one another is that we may grow in his likeness and his love and be a display to the rest of the world of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Amen? Like, we don't want to complicate this thing, because Jesus didn't complicate it. But we want to be followers of Christ, the one who had infinite cost to himself. He gave himself to us, not just to get us out of hell, but to actually to bring heaven here on this earth, that we may taste and see that he is good, and be able to offer likewise to the world around us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the great grace in which you've given us, that you've extended to us, in Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that we get to participate in your life. We confess, Lord, that we, we, we don't often just fall short. Sometimes, Lord, we, we assume a lot. We assume we know more than we do. But on the flip side, we assume if we know more, somehow we'll do more. God, help us to be able to rest in your presence. Help us to be able to enjoy your word, not just to study it, Lord, but to breathe it in order to allow it to shape our lives. May we be imitators collectively of you. God, may we be a fragrance, Lord, of Christ to the world around us. Lord, may we be in this particular culture, not being conformed to it, but being a display, being transformed, Lord, by the renewal of our minds, by your spirit in which you've given us. Father, we pray that whatever bitterness is in us, resentment that is in us, anger that is in us, Lord, that your spirit would reveal and remove and Father, help us to be good. Help us to be kind. Help us to have feelings of compassion that moves us towards aiding and helping and serving another. Help us to be a community that forgives in Jesus' name, Father. We praise you and give you the glory. Amen.